You're listening to Chats by Rotaract Australia, where we bring Rotaractors together to inspire, educate and collaborate. Hey guys, it's Laura. Welcome to the next episode of the Chats by Rotaract Australia podcast. I'm super excited about this episode because we are chatting all things university Rotaract clubs. So for those who are in a community club, a university club is obviously based at a university. And for those who are in university clubs, it might be a bit of a strange phenomenon to think about community clubs. So I'm very excited to introduce the guest for today. It, he is Leonard Shankalapore, which is butchered. Okay. Yeah, that's okay. That's right. you, you did good. You did good. Well, look, welcome, Leonard. How do you say your last name for those listening in? So in English, we can say Shankalapri, but in Italian, we say Shankalapore. Look, that is a lot better. So I apologize to all of our Italian listeners, but welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. I'm so thrilled that you are able to join us. Now, you are currently the president of Adelaide University Rotaract Club. That's correct? Yes, 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 that's right. It's in my second term now. Mm-hmm. So I heard a rumour that you are hanging up your presidential robes very soon. Yeah, that's it. You know, we've shifted. So you might note that it is October. So for a lot of other clubs, they might have been going from July to July. But we decided to realign our structure from instead of July to July, realigning it with the academic year. So from January to December, which fits just so much, it makes a lot more sense for a university-based club. Rotary International in Parramatta, they, they were like, you shouldn't really be doing this. Kind of being on a, I'm on a national broadcast now, so there's no going back. So. And I suspect that for, for university clubs, particularly that have, uh, have an academic term that goes from January to December, it would make a lot of sense that the leadership of a Rotaract club would do that as well. It really does. It makes it a lot more flexible. So in terms of the academic year, you know, and people who are finishing their studies, but also we fall under the Adelaide University Union. And I can imagine that a lot of, a lot of other university clubs will have something similar within their universities as like a body the where all of the other clubs kind of fall under. So the AUU will usually run like events and welcome dinners and, and nights to celebrate the incoming and the outgoing of those exact teams, the rest of the other clubs in the university really follow that system from January to December. Mm-hmm. Before we get into the nitty gritties of university clubs, tell us a little sure. bit about yourself. How did you get involved in Rotaract? Well, that's a story. Okay, so I'll keep it very short. It started in December 2016. My dad got a call from London and he answered the call and the person on the other end of the phone goes, oh, hello. Yes. My name is Michael calling from London. I'm based in New York, but I have a house in Adelaide. My dad's a renovator and Michael said, oh, I see that you do some renovations on your Facebook page. I'd like you to renovate my kitchen. And Michael, uh, dad said, yeah, no worries. Let me just uh, get an email address and I'll send for a quote. Mm-hmm. The email address that was provided was Michael blah 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 at unfpa.org. And dad happened to remember what I was studying international uh, development and languages at Adelaide Uni. And dad said, Oh, so UN, that's not United Nations by any chance, is it? They got into a conversation. Dad remembered what I was studying, brought me up. And at the time, I was volunteering in Nepal. 
So Michael said, yeah, that's, that sounds fantastic. I, I'd like to meet your son and have a bit of a chat, seeing as you know, he wants to get into the UN in future. So we met up on Boxing Day 2016. And one of the first things that Michael said to me was, if you want to join the UN, join Rotary. So I was like, what's Rotary? So first thing I did was went on to Google and I Googled Rotary Adelaide. The Rotary Club of Adelaide came up. I messaged them and gave them an email. And they said, yeah, if you want to join our club, it's about $250 a year. And I was like, no, thanks. I'm out of there. But then I got a call from their membership director and they said that there was a younger people's version at the university, which was a good fit. Mm-hmm. And I came, to, I came into a dying club, really. It wasn't really dying. It was kind of like getting back on its feet, but it was having a lot of a lot of issues. And yeah, there were about 11 members at the time, five active members. You know, initially when I joined Rotaract, it was purely for that kind of career focused, oh, I want to get into UN, this is the pathway to it. But I, I fell in love with it. I fell in love with it very quickly. And that kind of all, whole mindset of I'm only here to get into the UN changed very, very quickly. Once I started realizing how powerful a concept it was of grassroots community uh, empowerment and, you know, empowering the capacity of young people to do amazing things in the community from fundraisers and just going out and raising money for a variety of causes. It really inspired me. And I just, yeah, I fell in love with it. So, and I've been in it ever since. And so obviously the progression from being a student to then career goals is one of the main reasons people go to university. This Joining a club is also a really rich part of being at university. Mm, And then the mm, fact mm. that it can help your career in the long term, I suppose, is a really (laughs) lovely fit as well. Yeah, that's it. That's it. I mean, I'm quite lucky because international development teaches all about project management, community assessment tools and community consultations. It teaches the theory behind it. But then in Rotaract, I'm actually able to put that into practice Mm -hmm. Um, So for me, it happened to be a really good marriage between uh, my degree and and actually the practical side of it, where I was able to kind of transfer one into the other and and vice versa. So, yeah, my studies and being in part of Rotaract has really kind of, uh, I I think, enriched the whole university experience for me. And, yeah, I, I can attribute everything really to being involved in the club. Wonderful. I guess going into the nitty gritty of a university club, what does the makeup of a a club look like? I'm not sure on the exact numbers on it, but I'm pretty safe to say that we're probably the most culturally diverse club in Australia. We've got about uh, 20 different cultural backgrounds, uh, lots of international students ranging from everywhere, really from Palestine, lots of parts of India, There's people from different parts of Africa everywhere. We kind of have formed like our own little mini United Nations within within the club, which is really, really cool. So we're always learning from each other's cultural backgrounds and going to each other's like different cultural festivals, learning about the different religious celebrations. And yeah, it's just it's really, really culturally diverse. The variety of studies as well that we're doing makes it really interesting. People might be doing accounting or finance or whatever, so they can kind of take their studies and then align it into a different subcommittee of, uh, of what they might be studying and, yeah, find a good marriage between their studies and the club, which is what I've always loved to do with Rotaract. Absolutely. And so what are some of the projects that you guys get to be a part of, given there's so many different opportunities that get presented to students at universities? 
So being a very multicultural club, we've decided in around 2017, we had the idea of creating an annual multicultural festival and fund in, in fact it didn't start to be an annual thing we just thought of creating a multicultural festival which would double as a charity fundraiser uh, that's been that's come to known as uh, cultural night so cultural night since 2017 we've raised just over thirteen thousand four hundred dollars for various charities around australia and around uh, around the world it's a massive celebration of performances, music, language, food, culture, traditions, customs, in celebrating the United Nations International Day of Peace, uh, September 21st. So this is something that a lot of the students in the club have felt especially proud to be part of because it gives them a chance to wear their traditional dresses that they brought from their home country, even for domestic students to be able to reach back into their roots and wear something from their culture, gives them a chance to go connect with older people in their community, that whether it be their grandparents. And we had a story from Cultural Night 2018 where we united, I think there were a Lebanese family where the kids went to the parents and they said, we want to learn how to make, you know, the traditional sweets. And they went and they got the traditional costumes. And last year, an Eritrean young man, he went to his dad. He said, I want to, I want to, I need the traditional costume. And his, his parents cried. We're bridging that gap between the young people and the traditions of where everybody hold those, that cultural heritage within them. And that's such an important thing, especially for, you know, new migrants and new arrivals to keep that continuation of their own culture going when arriving into a new country. So that's Cultural Night. Aside from that, we also have our Bread Tags for Wheelchairs project that we're doing, which has been in collaboration with the, the charity Aussie Bread Tags for Wheelchairs. And that has gone viral across the country, really. It's got about just over 700 shares on Facebook, the post that we made. So the whole idea is that we collect the little bread tags off, you know, standard bread bags and whatever. And due to the high polystyrene content that they have, they're fantastic for turning into other products. So we take the bread tags, then as we collect them, we then give them to the charity, Aussie Bread Tags for Wheelchairs. They then take them to a rural town in, in South Australia called Robe. And the, the company there is called Transmutation. Transmutation take the product, which is the raw product, the, the polystyrene. They turn them into other products, and in like like do, uh, doorknobs and bowls and that sort of thing. And in exchange for the raw product that they used, the raw material that they uh, used to make their products, Transmutation will donate to Aussie Bread Tags for wheelchairs. That donation money then gets sent to South Africa, to a pharmacy in South Africa, where they use it to buy a wheelchair for the needy, the elderly, the disabled. So that's the kind of project's route, which is fascinating. So it's, yeah, it's gotten, uh, it's been really, really popular. We've got a whole bunch of different businesses and community organizations, schools that are that are collecting, um, and the response from the community has been outstanding. There's that. We've got a very big environmental focus. I think that's what, I mean, there's, there's a whole bunch. There's the international side of things. That's just the tip of the iceberg, really. We do so much. So. <laughs> One thing that I noticed about your club is that potential members have to go through a few steps to actually become a member. So talk to me mm. about that process. The thing is, when it comes to 
Rotor Act. What, what I realized in the early days was that our, our fees were about $10 a year. And all you had to do really was come along to three meetings. So, but not everyone might be able to, you know, regularly attend. So we decided to come up with uh, three different options. Option A, attend three meetings. Option B, attend one meeting, sorry, attend two meetings and participate in an event or in a professional development workshop. Option three was attend one meeting and participate in three volunteering opportunities provided by the club. The first step is filling out the expression of interest form that we have. So they register all of their details, their emergency contact number, why they want to join the club, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Second step is meeting one of those three criteria. The third step is then filling in a membership form. Once they filled in that form, that then goes to our membership director. Then once it's been received, the club secretary sends out club approvals to all of the members of the club. So club approvals uh, would, would sound something like, uh, hi, uh, Rotor Actors, so-and-so has applied to be a member of the club. As financial members, you have a right to raise any issues you have with this particular member. And if no issues are raised within 10 days, they are considered accepted by the club. So then they get a tick, club approval. The next step after that is executive approval. So that's stage five now. Madam Secretary or whoever, uh, have we received any complaints by, by the club members? And if none have been received, then someone raises a motion. I'd like to suggest that John Smith is accepted by the executive team. Can I have a seconder? Somebody seconds. And then if none are opposed within three hours, then they have exec approval. So then there's the exec approval. Then they got to pay their membership fees. So <laughs> we've elevated our fees from $10 a year to $50 a year. The whole process in doing that is get member, like prospective members a chance to get to know the club, to have a really firm understanding of, is this something that I want to be involved in? By the end of it, once they've gone through that lengthy approval process, it feels like something that they've earned and they have that buy-in. Being a rotor actor is almost a reward. Creating that kind of sense of reward and this is something that you've earned and worked for, we've increased our membership engagement and coupled that with a higher membership fee has really seen like a really high uh, membership engagement. And plus then there's the subcommittees as well. So once they pay their membership fee, they get logged in, in into, into all of our databases, into my rotary, into Club Runner, et cetera. And then they're given the option of joining one of six subcommittees. So they can join either international services, community services, membership, professional development, the treasury, or public relations. Hopefully. That's the most important one. <laughs> yes, well, yeah, well, I'm a bit biased, but no. <laughs> so, no, absolutely. Communications, uh, we wouldn't be anywhere without. We've seen amazing results from that. We've got, I think, about two thirds of the club so far are involved in the subcommittee and are looking likely to renew their membership fees as well, which has been fantastic. This year, we've come into a whole mindset of instead of the typical university mindset is, oh, we're university students, we're poor. But yet the, those same students will go out on a weekend and spend $50 at a, at a club or whatever mm -hmm. in one night. And all we're asking for is $50 for a whole year. 
Mm-hmm. So that then gives them a membership certificate, a membership badge, and we've created a whole value proposition. Instead of decreased cost, we've flipped it to elevate value. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and that's just completely changed the whole mindset of the club, and we've seen fantastic results for it. So recently, you got an exciting status for the club. Yeah, so it's been a long time coming. Not that we were ever, we actually had no idea that this was a thing, but we were very fortunate to find out that we've become the largest Rotaract club in the zone by membership. So I don't really feel like I should say the, the, the number. It's not really about the number. It's not, a, it's not a competition. We've never seen it as a competition. We actually didn't even think that we were going to ever be the largest Rotaract club. We thought it might be one of the eastern states. So it did come as a massive surprise. And what we've taken out of this, though, is while we might be the largest Rotaract club in the zone, we can use this new platform to share the resources that we have and encourage other Rotaract clubs to talk to us, collaborate with us. We've got loads of policies and templates and stuff that we can share to help make your clubs stronger. And that's what it's all about. You know, if I've learned anything in Rotaract and about leadership, it's, you know, leadership isn't about being the best. It's about making others better. And we rise by lifting others. It never was a competition. I think that's something that kind of really needs to be stressed. So, you know, it's great. We're the largest Rotaract club, but actions speak louder than words. I did a little post not too long ago in the Rotaract Australia group, uh, making public links to all of our policies, which range from code of conduct, our value proposition, the membership acceptance procedure, and all of these really vital kind of things that, to our surprise, other clubs didn't really have. We've got a lot of experience in this kind of thing in building a club from five active members. I think that that's a real credit to you guys, identifying what's important to members and then really capitalising on that. It's a really great model for for all clubs, community and university Mm. clubs, to really Mm. boost membership when it's not been a particularly great year for many people. But the sense of community and the sense of collaboration clearly Mm. is very strong in your club. Absolutely. I just love coming into the club meetings and seeing people from the different subcommittees, you know, not the directors themselves. They're not actually exec members, but Mm -hmm. they might be facilitating a, a, an icebreaker or they might be, you know, getting up on in front of everyone and talking about how we've got this exciting volunteering opportunity, come and get involved, but they're not even on the exec. It's an unreal feeling to see and watch that personal growth of the club members. It's just so heartwarming and you just, you kick yourself and you're like, wow, this, this is exactly why I do what I do. I think we, we've all had a few of those moments in the club where we just kind of beam like proud parents and just like, oh, that's my subcommittee member. Look at them go. So. <laughs> Spoken like a very proud president, I must say. How do you overcome challenges within the club? Right. I remember back in the early days, you know, we we didn't get to this point overnight. If you're not making mistakes and if you're not learning, uh, you know, you're never really going to get anywhere. So we've had a a couple really challenging situations in the past with particular members and there was loads of conflict at a point, but it all came down to governance. And it's kind of a really surprising answer for a lot of people. Uh, people talk about uh, what is the culture, you know, and, and, and that sort of thing. But while that is part of it, yes, the behavior that you walk past is the behavior you accept. If there's nothing written on paper, you're not going to get anywhere. And if, that pa- if, the, if the words on that paper aren't 
adhered to and held in high regard by the leadership team, then yeah, you know, conflict will just continue to unfold. So we've created a really, really solid code of conduct. And we actually adopted it from the Rotary Club of Perth. We just Googled and found a, found a code of conduct and I loved it. And I presented it to the exec in October, 2018. We made a couple changes and yeah, it's kind of just been like a living document that we've been able to adapt to the needs of the club. And it's, it's been a fantastic success. It's got its own grievance resolution procedures in it. So say, for example, uh, a club member does something that uh, isn't quite too kosher. The first step would be go up to them, give a verbal warning. Let them know how it can be perceived. While we have different cultures in the club, sometimes that isn't immediately apparent to them. And they think that from the culture that they've come from, this is just the right new things. Just letting them be aware of how their actions can be perceived and showing them, I guess, you know, the way forward. And usually we wouldn't do that with just one person. We'd always have like a second witness and that would usually be someone from the exec team as well. So just arrange for like a coffee meetup or something and you just, yeah, have that discussion. We approach things very head on in our Rotaract Club. So we don't like letting conflict ever uh, fester. And that's not the way that it should ever be handled. Uh, well, I mean, in our own opinion. So mm-hmm. In doing that, though, you just you clear the air straight away and there's no ill feeling and there's no gossip because the moment that, you know, you start this whole idea of gossip, then it just it just escalates. It it definitely comes from that leadership team or being on the same page and those rules and norms and the expectations being very, very clear. And that comes under the value proposition as well. So here's what we can provide. But in the club expectations, it's in the same document. Um, the mm-hmm. expectations of you being a club member means this, 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 and this. So there's that. So then if, if the action, if the behavior is repeated again, that's when we would give a written notice. That's the second warning. If it happens a third time, well, we've never really had a case where that, that's kind of, it's ever come to that. But mm-hmm. according to the, the grievance resolution procedures, it says that they give notice, we give notice of membership termination. According to the standard Rotaract constitution, you need two thirds majority vote to remove a Rotaract club member. That's why we kind of go by the phrase, be slow to hire, but be quick to fire. It really matters who you let into your tribe. The procedures that you have for getting club members in are really, really stringent. And you want to be sure that you're getting the right people in, that they meet the club culture and that, you know, they've kind of got their heart in the right place um, when getting into Rotaract. It's very rare that we'll ever have that kind of thing come up. It is a testament that, you know, you do have such a strict, or not a strict, but a a long induction process so that people who Mm. are committing to coming and being Mm -hmm. a, a member certainly do know the the rules and expectations exactly right along the way my final question would be what's your advice to people who are thinking about joining Rotaract and potentially university students there'll be new uni students on campuses early next year who see all of the clubs what makes Rotaract different in from a uni perspective I think what makes Rotaract different from a uni perspective there there are other service clubs, and I'm not going to name them, but Rotaract is something special. It's it's 
it's grassroots, it's raw, it's real. And you know what, if you have an idea, it's the best place to be able to put that idea into action, surrounded by people who all think like you. You can just get into it. And even if it's just like a tiny idea, somebody will be like, oh, I think we we could fundraise for blah, blah, blah. And then somebody else will be in the room and be like, oh, I have an uncle that actually works there. And then you all just kind of come together. And when you have that passion and that drive for community service, I haven't found a better group of people to bounce ideas off and work collaboratively with than Rotaract. It really is a global family it's a global network there are the travel opportunities that are in it you know I've been to some countries around the world where I've gone and visited other Rotaract clubs and other cities and just because you're tied to that organization to Rotaract they welcome you into their homes they show you they introduce you to their families it's the it's one of the most welcoming organizations I've ever really been a part of so yeah I love it it's grassroots it's raw I love, I love. Well, look, thank you so much, Leonard, for chatting to the Chats by Rotoact Australia podcast. Hopefully it's given our listeners something to think about. University clubs might be the next best thing for for people who are heading to to university as a student, Mm. but also, you know, going back for a second or third career. Fingers crossed. Thank you so much. Tune into the next episode of Chats by Rotoact Australia and you can find us on social media. See you next time. Don't forget to subscribe to Chats by Broderick Australia on your favourite podcasting channel and like, share and comment on the RA socials.